0: Ninja. Hi everyone and welcome to Geography Ninja and this is the first one uh, I've done of 2020 so welcome to the new year as well. Uh, it's probably slightly late for me to say that now as it's uh, I think it's the 12th of January today. Anyway what we're going to be looking at in this episode is the question of why is Australia burning and many of us would will, will have been quite uh, disturbed over recent weeks, just seeing the extent of the wildfires, the bushfires taking hold in Australia. And already they uh, look like they're having a devastating impact in Australia, with estimates that just on economic impact alone, um, the damage is likely to exceed uh, $4.5 billion Mm. Um, So this episode of Geography Ninja is really to look at the Australian wildfires alongside some of the underlying causes, such as climate change and prolonged drought, um, but also the role of fire um, itself in Australia, Um, and really think about what the unfolding situation um, regarding the population, the wildlife and the landscape uh, as well as what the response has been. And the wildfires have already been happening for some time now in Australia and many commentators are saying that, well, you know, as we're into January, as we are getting into February, this is really normally the peak time for wildfires. So it is, it is a, a, an ongoing situation. So the first thing I think we need to just have a think about is the current climate situation, the ongoing drought, uh, and those conditions within Australia. Okay, then. Well, I think given the size of Australia, there are a number of different climate zones. Remember, we are talking about a really uh, huge landmass for Australia, so definitely split into different climate zones. The northern part. Of Australia, so the Northern Territory, uh, Queensland, and so on. There's a there's a hot and humid climate, um, in this region. Certainly during the summer, warm and dry in the winter. Whereas if we move to the central part of Australia, so you know, centered on um, Alice Springs, for example, we've got we've got desert conditions as well as semi desert conditions. Um, which, you know, the landscape there is known as the the bush or the the outback. Uh, But this is where we get extreme temperatures, um, sometimes up to around 50 degrees centigrade. So real extremes. Also in these type of locations, the central Australia, um, rainfall, particularly erratic and often absent for extended periods of time. Um, Moving further south, in South Australia... Um New South Wales, Victoria, uh, climate is much more temperate um, to warm climates. However, saying that, over the last few years, Australia has had quite a lot of experience of um, some severe drought conditions, and back in September of 2019, there were reports that in parts of New South Wales water supply was reaching critical levels as a result of really low levels of rainfall. Um, so just one or two examples, the um, Macquarie River over the last two years has is, is just has had um, an input of uh, 97 uh, gigalitres of water into its river system. Now, just to uh, you, you, might, you may know this, but I'm assuming you, you possibly don't. A gigalitre is equivalent to a billion litres uh, of of water. So by comparison, um, the longest river in Australia, the Murray, has had 901 gigalitres of water in the past 12 months, compared to its normal volume of 5,000 gigalitres. So really, you know, very very low levels of rainfall um, entering these river systems. This is sort of in the in the um, southeastern part of Australia, on the outskirts of Sydney. Uh, the Warragamba Dam provides water supply to you know, Sydney, the largest uh, Australia's largest urban area. It's the largest urban water supply, but projections currently suggest that by Uh, January 2022, um, this water supply will stop running. If nothing else changes, it will stop running um, as the input of water into that dam is only around 10% uh, in in 2018, it's only around 10% of its usual uh, amount. So Australia definitely facing some very challenging climate conditions, drought conditions, Uh, Recently, Um, most meteorologists tend to agree that the worst drought conditions in Australia have have happened in uh, recent years and in particular between around 2003 and 2012 and also in 2017 to present. These have really been the worst drought conditions um, for some time, but drought does seem to be um, an on-off feature of climate in many parts of Australia. Now, this idea is backed up by um, the Australian government, uh, so official government reports stating that droughts are a recurrent and infrequent feature of Australia's climate Um, and also adding that severe droughts can cause sharp reductions in farm output as well as exacerbating social problems. So it also goes on to say that projections for Australia's climate make it clear that farmers and other Australians should be prepared for a hotter future. Uh, so, you know, thinking about climate change, how that is, how that, how is that going to affect the the functioning and sustainability of Australia? Um, the report also says that in some regions, more frequent periods of extreme low rainfall are likely, and climate data shows that on average. Um, millimeters of rainfall on the south and southeast coast of Australia range from somewhere between around 900 millimeters annually down to around 300 millimeters so pretty low um, levels of rainfall Um, so the the report also gives some details of previous major periods of drought and the effects of it in Australia, dating back to 1864. So really, this is when you know climate records would have been officially uh, kept for Australia. So over 140 years, we've got 11 instances of major drought being recorded. So drought is certainly not anything new for Australia. It's been going on for for um, really as, as far back as, as records began. So, but alongside that, there was some research done by the University of Melbourne, published in twenty seventeen. Now, this suggested that the recent Australian drought may well be the worst in eight hundred years. So, though records don't go back that far, um, you know, climate evidence uh, does tend to show that uh, this is is possible drought is possibly getting more more severe. Um, In recent years. So, alongside all of this, if that wasn't bad enough, uh, the drought conditions, news reports in December of 2019 suggested that Australia had recorded its hottest ever day. Um, So, back in December, it reached a maximum average across Australia of uh, 40.9 degrees. Celsius and Australia's Bureau of Meteorology stated um, that the heat wave um, in the more densely populated southeast part of the country so we're talking about the area around Sydney New south Wales Victoria and so on um, this would only exacerbate um, and, and prolong uh, the bushfires ninja. So we've got these uh, you know, prolonged drought. We've got record temperatures being reached across much of Australia. So really what we're, we're looking at here is like a perfect storm. You've know, got the perfect conditions already in place for bushfires to happen. Now, the Australian government um, Geoscience Australia website states that bushfires and grass fires are common throughout Australia. Uh, it also explains they're an intrinsic part of Australia's environment. Meaning that I think Australia, the the landscape in Australia, its biological diversity is said to have been shaped by historic and recent fires, um, and also you know lots of plant species there being dependent on fire in order to uh, re- regenerate, so. <clears throat> Indigenous Australians also historically have used fire as a land management tool, and it's it's you know a way of clearing land for farming purposes. So uh there's also a list of factors. Now I found this actually pretty interesting. It's a list of factors that could create bushfires. Um so just bear with me, let's just have a, have a look at these different factors. So one of them, number one is the fuel load, it's actually the material that's available on the ground to enable fire to happen. So we're talking about things like leaf litter, fallen bark, anything that really can accumulate on the ground surface that is combustible. That's number one. Number two is we've got fuel moisture. So in other words, you know how dry or what's the level of moisture in that material on the ground surface uh, the drier it is the the quicker it's going to burn number 3 is wind speed now this is important because wind can drive a fire by blowing those flames into fresh combustible uh, material fuel on the ground surface number 4 is the ambient temperature the background temperature Um, of the environment, the higher the temperature, the the higher the likelihood of fire starting um, and continuing um, to burn. And we know that temperatures have been pretty high there recently. So number five is the, the relative humidity. In other words, how much moisture is in the air and the drier the air, the greater the intensity of the fire. Um, there And obviously in drought conditions, there's very little moisture. The air is also going to be uh, very dry. And remember also, you know, Australia is, is like a continental landmass. So certainly central parts of Australia can be quite very long distances away from the influence of the um, ocean. Number six is slope angle. Now, this this is a particularly interesting one because it suggests that fires can speed up when travelling uphill. Um, and slow down when traveling downhill. And the reason for this is, you know, heat rises. So um, the fires can preheat any nearby source of fuel if it's going going uphill. So radiation and convection spreading that heat, drying out that material, making it more uh, likely to uh, catch fire. Number seven. This is the final one. Is the ignition source. In other words, fires can start from a whole range of different sources, including uh, natural causes such as, such as lightning, um, human causes, as well. Um, you know, I think arson has has been one point that's that's been raised about this uh, question. Whether that you know, to what extent is that responsible um, for some of these fires. All right, then. Well, um, so I know one of the things that geographers do get quite interested in is the role of natural hazards in the environment. And clearly, you know, wildfires or bushfires are a major hazard present across Australia. you got considerable potential there for loss of life and um, damage to property, but also damage to, to landscapes and to... Um ecosystems, as well. So, um in in terms of loss of life and damage to property, clearly the 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 big uh, risk here is where wildfires are happening close to uh, built up areas, urban areas, and so on, where properties are infrastructure is close to to fuel sources. In other words, you know, flammable vegetation. Now, one model that geographers often use to explain natural hazards and how a hazard can turn into a a disaster potentially is something known as Degg's model. Now, this was created back in the early 1990s by an academic, Dr. Martin Degg. And this is, it looks a bit like a Venn diagram with two interlocking circles. Um, On the one side, you've got a hazardous event, as in a wildfire, in one circle in the other circle you've got the vulnerable population so in this case you know humans living close to uh, where these wildfires are happening where the two overlap you've got this potential for a disaster so if you've got wildfires happening right in the the very sparsely populated or you know virtually no one living in uh, central areas of the country a very low population densities, is not really going to be so much of a, a major hazard. If you've got it happening close to big urban areas, such as Melbourne and Sydney, that clearly has the potential to become a disaster. So, you know, bushfires are a, a big deal for Australia. They These are the, you know, the, the major um, natural hazard that affects Australia. Um, Again, according to the Australian Government website, between 1967 and 2013, bushfires have caused somewhere in the region of 8,000 injuries and 433 fatalities. They also relate to 50% of all deaths from natural disasters in Australia over that same time period. In the news. In the news. And well, we might be then thinking, well, how does this current bushfire event compare? Uh, Well, as of early January 2020, we're looking at somewhere in the region of 2,000 homes having been destroyed. And there's about 25 people that have uh, died in the fires. Um, In addition to this, we've got millions of animals that have also um, died in the fire. And this is is potentially turning into a... A real ecological disaster. Um, Australia is quite unique in many ways. Uh, it's got a very high proportion of what are called endemic species. In other words, species that that really don't uh, don't exist anywhere, anywhere else on the planet, other than in in captivity in zoos and so on. Um, and part of this is because Australia, as a landmass, has been separated from the rest of the the world's landmasses. For an incredibly long period of time so you've got these very unique species such as you know the kangaroo and the wallaby and the koala that exist in australia and i know um, a, a lot of people have been clearly affected by the fact that it's affected humans but it has also brought home the uh, just the damage to the natural um, environment as well with the plight of of animals so um, the Australian state of Victoria has declared a state of disaster. Um, but, the, you know, the bushfire crisis has been in place really since um, September. Um, the, the worst potential time, you know, the peak for the bushfire season is really um, January, February uh, of the Australian summer. Um and the estimate, current estimate, is that we're looking at around 10 million hectares uh, that have been burned in the the current fires. So thinking back to our idea of um, Deg's model that we mentioned uh, mentioned a little while ago, um, Australia's population is in is is a pretty sparsely uh, populated country generally. However, population is extremely highly concentrated, uh, number one, in coastal areas, but number two, particularly around the sort of east and southeast coast of Australia. You've got uh, several large cities um, in those locations, such as Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, uh, Brisbane, and, and so on, all in the south and southeast of the country. So, you know, this is our vulnerable population. It's concentrated in those areas, and these are places that have been affected, By um, the the bushfires uh, recently. Now the other concern about the uh, the fires at the moment is that where they become completely uncontrollable and turn into what is being called mega blaze situation. So where where two or more fires combine, Um, and you know we have had had um, a few of those. New, uh, New South Wales has been particularly concerned um about that in south australia we've uh, we've also got fires out of control uh, one example is at kangaroo island which is um just to the south of adelaide um now this is a place really no- well known for its biodiversity you have got a, a, something around 25000 koalas uh, there are among the um casualties um, around Adelaide itself, the Adelaide Hills region of South Australia, um, it's estimated up to about a third of the grapevines used in the wine industry may have been destroyed um, by fire. But also in Western Australia, suburbs to the south of Perth um, are also believed to be under threat from bushfires, with residents being told they're in danger and need to act immediately in order to survive. So alongside the fires, um, smoke is uh, smoke pollution is also um, a hazard which leads to really drastic reductions in um, air quality. Um, now this was reported in the Australian capital Canberra, uh, which is also in the southeast of the country. Um, the spread of smoke from fires in the southeast of Australia has um, also affected. New Zealand, so you know, a real a really long distance away from Australia, but uh, you know, still been been affected somehow by this. Now, satellite images also showing how plumes of smoke, including uh, black carbon, which is uh, which is um, very toxic to uh, to plants and animals and humans, thought to have travelled uh, more than seven thousand miles from the source of the fires. So it's, uh, it's actually going well beyond uh, the borders of Australia now, the impacts of this. Okay, then. Well, I think, you know, the, f- the final question really is, has got to be to what extent is this situation of the bushfires caused by climate change? And I know there has been quite a bit of controversy um, in debate in Australia about this. Um. Data from the Australian Government Bureau of Meteorology does show that Australia has been getting warmer, particularly in the last forty years or so. But since about 1910, there's, there's um, average temperatures have increased by approximately one degrees C. And this is across, you know, averaged across the whole the whole country. So, given the records for high temperatures that were broken in. Uh, December 2019, coming on top of years of drought in some locations, um, you know, you've got these ideal conditions for wildfires. Some climate research suggests that changes actually in the Indian Ocean have been uh, a major trigger for the heat wave that Australia has been experiencing recently. So this is known as the Indian Ocean Dipole, the IOD. Um, and this is where Warmer water in the western part of the Indian Ocean, so this has caused more moisture in the atmosphere. It's led to higher rainfall in East Africa, so on that western side of the Indian Ocean, whereas in the eastern half of the Indian Ocean, um, sea surface temperatures are actually cooler, which is leading to less rainfall in places like Australia and parts of Southeast Asia. And there's some research to show that the differences between the eastern and western parts of the Indian Ocean are actually much stronger than they have been for the last 60 years. Now, interestingly, um, across the planet, especially in Australia, but there's lots of social media conspiracy theories which have emerged uh, relating to the potential causes of the current bushfires, some of them totally bizarre, such as, you know, it was Islamic State uh, doing it, um, that land, it's a, this is a quick way of trying to clear land for a high-speed rail link through Australia's east coast, uh, that it's, it's a plot by eco-terrorists to push um, climate change up the agenda in Australia, or that it's Chinese billionaires using laser lasers to clear land to build new cities in Australia, uh, <laughs> wacky. I think you'll agree. Um, one of the, the the big ones though that's been put forward is uh, that it's arson. Um, Instead, really, I, I think maybe is this people in denial about the impacts of climate change? Um, huge pressure at the moment on Australian. Prime Minister Scott Morrison to really up australia 's commitment to uh, climate change and reducing carbon emissions. carbon emissions alone from the the bushfires are going to be absolutely horrendous um, so all in all, pretty disturbing. Um, I think one book that is very has been very influential over the last year or two is David Wallace Wells' uh, book, The Uninhabitable Earth, A Story of the Future. Um, in that book, he he asks the question, what is coming? And gives the answer, much more fire, uh, much more often burning much more land. Um, so wildfires, they might, might not be directly caused by climate change. If you've got the, the right climate conditions as we said a little bit earlier, um, all the, the essential conditions are in place plus a hot temperature, drought conditions, you've got this sort of perfect situation where wildfires can occur. Now David wallace Wells's book has been pretty influential and one of the points that he makes in that relate to Australia in that... Um, well, he actually goes on to say wealth will be a buffer for some countries, but not a safeguard, as Australia is learning already. Um, Australia today is a society of expansive abundance, jerry-rigged onto a very harsh and ecologically unforgiving land, and then goes on to list some of the um, impacts of a, sing- a heat wave that occurred in Australia in 2011 and you know, really some of the, uh, you know, how that affected, um, potentially quite precarious position that Australia, uh, may be in, um, as we, uh, you know, as climate change really does, does unfold, um, in, in, in ways such as this. So it's, um, I'm, you know, I'm really hoping that, uh, that they get rain and, you know, they, we, we need, um, need some respite from what's going on and, um, it's only a few months ago we were talking about the Amazon uh, burning. So it does, I don't know, is this a trend? Is this linked to uh, the sort of, is it, are these the sort of changes that are going to become much more frequent now with climate change? Okay, well, I think that's probably enough for today. It, seems like it feels like quite a long one, long one but um, lots to, uh, to really think about and talk about uh, relating to Australia. So uh, Geography Ninja... Signing out at that point, and um, yeah, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, bye bye.